the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. You need to love others, and the way you love others is by hating sin. Be conscious that others are watching what you do, and your life impacts them. Because whatever you do, those who are closest to you, those who know you, they're impacted by it. So your example needs to be a good one. You need to be a stepping stone to Jesus, not a stumbling block in the way to Jesus. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. You're joining us in a study through the Gospel of Mark called Essential Jesus. We're going deep into God's Word today to discover the true meaning of greatness. Not greatness like the world seeks, where money, power, and fame are the measuring sticks, but biblical greatness, the kind where God sets the standards. To find out what this looks like, let's listen in. Here's Philip DeCourcy in Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 30. God wants us to live lives marked by greatness. God wants us to live lives that are significant, noticeably impactful. But we're going to see that how that is achieved and described is completely different from the culture in which you and I live. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 9. We read he makes a stop here in verse 33 at Capernaum. Tells us that he enters a house with his disciples, could well be Peter's house, because we read about the house back in chapter 1 and verse 29, and it was Peter's house or his mother-in-law's house. Having slowed down, they're now sitting around decompressing, and Jesus says, hey guys, when we were on the road here to Capernaum, you guys were in a bit of a dispute. What was that all about? And the Bible tells us that they were silent. They didn't want to tell him what it was about. Because the text tells us what it was about. It was about who was the greatest. That's what they were discussing. That's what they were debating with each other. No wonder they're embarrassed. Embarrassed to admit that they were discussing who was the greatest among the disciples. Hypothetic. In the light of Jesus' passion prediction, he had just told them, you know what, guys, I need to tell you again. We're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. My Father has delivered me up within His will and providence and eternal decree and purpose for salvation toward mankind. I'm going to be killed, and three days later I'm going to rise. And you know what? That's the gospel. The amazing thing that the Word was made flesh so that His flesh could be torn in an act of atonement and substitutionary death for us. What an amazing truth. And these bozos are discussing who's the greatest. Isn't Jesus the greatest? 
Isn't his death on the cross the greatest thing imaginable? We shouldn't be talking about anybody else or anything else other than that at the center of our conversation because that's truly great. But what you've got is a bunch of losers who still haven't grasped what Jesus is teaching them and they are in a discussion about who's great. And so he verbally rebukes them. Let's go back to the text and look at verse 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He sat down. That's the posture of a rabbi. Implication, schools in session. And Jesus lays into them. If you want to be first, you're going to be last. You're going to be the servant of all. But if you'll be the servant of all, God will bless you, use your life, and you'll be surprised at how God uses you. That's what it means to be significant in the kingdom. The way up is down, guys. He not only rebukes him verbally, he rebukes him visually. Next, the Lord Jesus drops and plops a child right into the middle of the circle. Jesus says about this child, Hey, whoever receives, verse 37, one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is an issue of treatment. Jesus says, I want you to serve and treat and honor this little one. I think by implication, Jesus is saying, hey, this little one, this overlooked person, because in the culture of the day, children were seen, not heard, largely ignored. They don't have the kind of focus we give them in our culture. And the child illustrates, represents the least of society, the weak, the overlooked, the unimportant. And Jesus says, hey, you want to know what greatness is? Receive a little one like this, an insignificant, overlooked, unimportant person like you're receiving me. Treat them like you treat me. That's greatness. Want to be great in God's kingdom? Don't seek to be served. Serve others. And then we get to the final thought here, what I call a matter of safeguarding others. Okay? Here's my argument. I think this is Jesus' argument in the text. Here's what greatness is. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Remember, Jesus isn't rejecting greatness. He's redefining it. You want to be great? Then... See how bad you can be and work at not being that so that you don't overturn the good that God's doing in others. Notice verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better he was dead. You want to be great? Then don't cause others to stumble. Don't get in the way of God's work in other people's lives. Scroll down to verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Now, salt typically doesn't lose its saltiness, but many commentators point out there was salt that came from the Dead Sea that had all kinds of impurities in it, and it did lose its saltiness. And Jesus is kind of using that, hey, you're the salt of the earth. I want your life to be an influence for the gospel, for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Don't lose that focus. You're on earth to influence others for good, not to get in their way. That's what verses 42 to 50 is about. Serving others, saluting others, nigh safeguarding others. In fact, if you go back to verse 42, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me, I think these little ones who believes in me is a reference to Christians. Earlier he had used the child to speak of the insignificant and overlooked. And I think here he's he's talking about his insignificant, overlooked people who are hated by the world. These little ones who believe in me don't 
make them stumble. Don't be an offense to your brother. If you're not serious about that, no one's going to live a perfect life. But generally speaking, you need to make a good faith effort to not be a stumbling block or a hindrance to your brother. And if you don't take that seriously and you live in a way that's reckless and careless and you hurt other people, you send them in the wrong direction, you don't help them towards God and the gospel, then it would be better for you to get a millstone, put it around your neck and jump into a lake. Jesus said, really, it'd be better for you to die. Why? Why would he say that? That's strong language. And the image is quite powerful. The millstone was a four to five foot stone, circular stone with a hole in the middle. And it would often be on a machine and the donkey would be harnessed to it. And as the donkey went round, the millstone would turn and the wheat and the flour would be ground for food and for bread. But sometimes the Romans took that millstone with a hole in the middle, four to five feet across, and they put it over someone's head and they threw them into the sea straight to the bottom. And I'm not trying to be funny. It's kind of the ancient equivalent of the mafia and their concrete boots. They'd put someone in cement and, you know, they'd be gone. Jesus is saying, hey, it'd be better for you, honestly speaking. If you don't care about other people, you don't care how you behave in front of them or the effect you have with them with your words, well, you know, it'd be better you died because if you live like that, you're going to face the second death. The man or woman who lives that way, I'm not talking about perfection. We're talking about a life that's just careless and reckless and hurts people and is about themselves and just flagrantly sinning and being proud and bombastic. Then Jesus goes on to say, hey, you're going to go to a place where the fire never quenches and the worm never dies. Yes, Jesus believed in hell. In fact, he spoke about it more than he did about heaven. And so Jesus is saying here, I need you to safeguard others. That's what greatness is about. I need you to love others, to be conscious that others are watching what you do and your life impacts them. Because Paul says, no man lives unto himself, right? Whatever you do, those who are closest to you, those who know you, they're affected by it. They're impacted by it. So your example needs to be a good one. You need to be a stepping stone to Jesus, not a stumbling block in the way to Jesus. So you need to love others. And the way you love others is by hating sin. You want to safeguard others? Then love them. Be conscious of your responsibility before them as an example. And hate the sin that could cause them to stumble as they see it unrepentant and unresolved in your life. And that's what Jesus argues, doesn't he? If you're not to cause others to stumble into sin, then deal with your sin radically so that you might be a good example and a godly witness. Look at what Jesus says in verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Look at verse 45. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, we'll deal with what Jesus means in terms of cutting one's hands off and plucking one's eyes out. But I want you to notice Jesus references the hand, the foot, and the eye. And I think Jesus is just selecting those elements of the body to speak about the entirety of one's life. You need to take charge of the entirety of your life. No place should be left ungoverned and unsubmitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So your eye is what you see, your hand is what you do, and your feet is where you go. 
So Jesus is saying, guys, what you see, what you do, where you go, submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be radical in all those areas of your life. And make sure that those areas of your life don't stick out as an offense to God and the people. Because if you want to be truly great, one thing you must do is not harm other people. Especially the little ones who believe in me, other believers. Don't be an offense. Don't be a stumbling block. And this is a radical commitment which brings to this idea, what does Jesus mean? If you're new in the faith or listening on radio, you go, wow, cut your hand off. Is that what it means to be a Christian? You know, cut your foot off. Self-mutilation. Pluck your eye out. A couple of things. This is not to be taken literally. Some foolishly did. One classic example is an early church leader called Origen who castrated himself. He lusted a lot and he thought, hey, I'm going to get serious about this problem in my life. And he basically self-mutilates himself. That's a mistake. Jesus isn't teaching that. Number one, because in Deuteronomy 14.1, the law of God says that the Israelite was not ever to cut themselves. Cutting your body... Mutilating your body is unlawful, unchristian, unbiblical. And secondly, you know this is hyperbole. This is exaggerated language to make a point. Now, the language is not to be taken literally, but the point made is very literal and very serious. You know, that's a pretty serious thing. You know, if your hand offended you and you decided, you know what, I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to take this seriously and cut it off. So the point is, be serious, be radical, but it is not to be taken literally. Why? Let's take the issue of lust just for one moment. Imagine a man who struggles with lust, sees things with his eye, doesn't break that cycle of sin. He wants to. And Jesus says, get radical about that. And you say, well, that means plucking my eye out. No, because if you pluck one eye out, you can see the girl with the other one. That's the point. One eye... Still another eye. Cut one hand off, there's another hand. That's not the point Jesus is making. He's not being literal, but he's being serious. Whatever it takes, almost imagining, pluck your eye out, cut your hand off, cut your foot off, do whatever you need to do. Because this is a battle. Sanctification doesn't come easily. Holiness isn't one on a given day, a given morning, a given afternoon. This is a radical fight that will go on across the life of the Christian over a lifetime. Paul says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's a life where he was crucified with Christ. That's Galatians. In Colossians, he tells us to put to death the flesh. Kill the flesh. Kill that part of your life that still is unsubmitted and unredeemed in God's purposes for you. That's the challenge. To plagiarize John Owen, the Puritan, Jesus is teaching us here, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And if you don't kill sin, it will not only kill you, it will hurt others. So get serious about the sin that's still in your life. And it's going to be there. It's got to be dealt with with some radical surgery, some radical choices and commitments. So pull the plug on your cable and get serious about sin. 
Seek reconciliation and forgiveness with those who have hurt you or you have hurt and get serious about sin so that the blessing of the Spirit might be known. End our relationship you know to be outside the will of God and get serious about sin. Stop a liberty that you may have within the will of God that's now becoming a bondage and get serious about sin. Make restitution to those you have hurt and get serious about sin. So that you might know the blessing of God, the peace of God. As we close, be mindful maybe of that Old Testament account. Remember how Saul was told by God to wipe out the Amalekites? And he pretty much does it. Except he lets Agag live and he keeps the best of the sheep for himself. Disobeyed God. Pocket of resistance. He generally obeyed but he didn't obey fully. Partial obedience is still total disobedience. So Samuel comes along one day when Saul is sacrificing to God and acting like he's worshiping. And all of a sudden there's a noise in the background and it's the sheep that's bleeding. And Saul, oh, don't worry about that, Samuel. I kept some of the sheep. And you need to know, I kept that, parenthesis in an act of disobedience, I kept that, because I'm going to offer the best of sheep to God. God's going to be pleased. No, he's not, says Samuel. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. And it's a sad day because God says through his prophet, I'm done working with you, Saul. You're not going to be king anymore. And you know what the Bible says about Samuel? First Samuel 15:33. He takes King Agag. He takes him down to the river. And he said, hey, you. You have made many a woman into a widow. And I'm going to do the same to you you have done to others. And you know what the Bible says in very graphic language? He cut him to pieces. He just didn't run the sword through him. He cut him to pieces. One can imagine. Just cut his legs off, his arms off. He cut that guy like a piece of meat. It's powerful. And it's kind of shocking. But John MacArthur, in one of his sermons, one of his famous sermons, was put into a book that his congregation considered his best sermons, says that Agag's like the flesh. Agag's like those parts of your life you still let live in rebellion to God, and we've got to cut them to pieces. You've got to get serious about the flesh and those things that get in God's way. Let me illustrate and be done outside of the Bible. The film is 127 hours. Not long, that's the name of the film. It's a true story about a 27-year-old man by the name of Aaron Ralston. The story happened in 2003, actual story. He's biking in the Blue John Canyon in Utah. He encounters an accident where a chokestone pins his right arm against one of the walls of a crevice. He has no cell phone, he can't contact people, and he didn't leave a message with anybody telling them where he was. And so as the story unfolds, after five days of surviving on 500 milliliters of water and exhausting all options to escape, he realizes he's got one choice. Either to die or to cut his arm off. And he takes a blunt pocket knife out, makes a makeshift tourniquet, and he proceeds, and it takes him a while, as you can imagine, with a blunt pocket knife, literally to cut his arm off. You can't imagine it. I, I've seen bits of the movie. And you kind of, you squirm. And you go, I don't think I could do that. I think I'd rather die. 
But then you've you got to remind yourself, well, really, you're in his shoes and you have a passion for life. You've got a choice. It's a radical one. Either die or cut your arm off and live, hopefully. And he does. He actually cuts his arm off, sticks it in his backpack and stumbles out of the canyon and is found and survives. It's a true story. You can Google it. Radical? You betcha. But the choice is grave. Life or death. Life or death. And that's what Jesus is saying, isn't he? Hey, the mark of the disciple is a radical seriousness about cutting sin out of the life. Never to a point where you'll be sinless. Never to a point where you'll be perfect. But day by day, you're in the fight. And you're doing whatever it takes to live because Jesus says, better to go maimed into eternal life than to go whole into heaven. Better to go from a life of struggle and discipleship and service towards others than it being all about you living in ease, enjoying this world and then tumbling into a Christless hell. True greatness. How do you define it? Let me tell you how Jesus defines it. By doing good to others in selfless service. By seeing the good in others and rejoicing what God's doing in their life even if you disagree and differ with them. And by seeing the bad in you and making sure the bad in you doesn't get out too much to the hurt of others so that God's good purpose might continue to flourish in them. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's almost like a splash of cold water on our face, challenging us, waking us up to fight the culture, to fight the concaved hearts that are at the center of our lives, that are now being made new by grace. Help us indeed to submit to the work of the Spirit of God under the authority of the Word of God. Help us to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be what He calls us to be. Help us to understand that true greatness is not living on planet me where everybody else orbits around us, but giving ourselves to the least and the lowly, to the poor, the disabled, the disadvantaged, the persecuted church. Our lives are about them. And that's a wonderful reflection of your life and your love. Help us, O oh God, to have a big heart for the kingdom of God. Help us to be big tent Christians. Help us to fight over doctrine. Help us to cross our T's and dot our I's. Because all doctrine is important, but not all doctrine equally important. Help us to be gospel-centered and to rejoice when you do something through people beyond our circle. And Lord, help us to get radical about the sin in our lives that can destroy us, destroy others, and kill the witness of Jesus Christ. For we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Showing us how to be great in God's eyes. This is Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is titled True Greatness, and it's part of Philip's verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark called Essential Jesus. To hear additional messages and for related resources, go to ktt.org. Well, it sounds strange to modern ears, but 500 years ago, Bible teaching like this was almost non-existent. Churches conducted service in Latin, a language no one spoke, and most Christians had no access to God's Word on their own. Martin Luther changed all that when he nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 
And this month marks the 500th anniversary of Luther's Courageous Act. And we'd like to provide you with a copy of a book titled, The Reformation Still Matters. Discover for yourself why the actions of a 16th century German monk continue to be relevant today when you give a donation of any size and request this resource. Call 888-644-8811 or sign up online at ktt.org. When you give generously today, you're providing an opportunity for Know the Truth to expand to new stations, reaching up to 175 million new listeners. But your help is crucial. If you prefer to send a check, write it to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And feel free to include a note. We're always excited when we hear how God is using this program in your life. And if you're reaching out for the first time, be sure to request Philip's message called It's Time to Be a Protestant Again. It's yours free for the asking. Learn why the distinguishing marks of the Reformation ought to be present in your daily faith and in your church. Request this free CD message by calling 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. There's more Bible teaching coming up next week on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you're over 50 and concerned about any of the following, stay tuned for an exclusive free bottle offer. Are you concerned about your heart health? Are you interested in healthy brain function? What about joint comfort and energy? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, we want to send you a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus now with CoQ10. Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 combines krill oil with fish oil in one tiny pill. And this little pill delivers big health benefits to your heart. Your joints, your arteries, and brain. And with CoQ10, you'll enjoy extra energy too. Best of all, you can get a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 today. Just pay for shipping. Call right now and request your free bottle. Dial 1 800 229 3992. That's 1 800 229 3992. 1 800 229 3992. Again, call now. 1 800 229 3992. I've been searching. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.